Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to episode six of Underrated Underdogs. Six episodes in, guys. Uh, this is your your host Chizzy coming at you. Um, in virtual studio, we've got Jen and we've got Brandon. Brandon, how are you doing today, sir? I'm good. You know, six episodes. This ties my longest running podcast so far out of, hey. out of two attempts. So this is uh, we're on we're on pace to break a record. Nice, nice, nice. And Jen, how are you doing, bro? I'm doing all right. Cowboys keep winning, and um, love all the hate that's getting uh, that I'm getting from everybody. What what, what hate are you getting? Is there is there a lot of uh, a lot of hate mail coming coming your way, or is it just Dallas Cowboy hates in general? Uh, just the Cowboys hates in general. You know, like it happens every single year. You know, you kind of get used to it afterward. After a while, you know they you know, but they. At the end of the day, you know, if uh, Mari Cooper wants a championship and, you know, we got the team for it, um, I hope they go for the ring. Cowboys fans get Cowboy 8 every year because you win your first game and you claim you're going to the Super Bowl. You're just mad because uh, the boys might drop a 50-burger on you uh, this weekend because you have no cornerbacks and uh, Mac Jones can't throw for anything past 10 yards. That's shots coming at your boy, Brandon. Are you going to defend him? Are you going to defend his honor? I mean, I don't see an issue with him until the red zone. I I have nothing to say about his ability to finish in the red zone, but but he can he can dice it in the middle of the field. Unfortunately, that doesn't get points though. All Maybe right. you should pick up the uh, the kicker for New England since he's going to be kicking a lot of field goals. But but then again, you know he does miss a lot too, so. That's also uh, another possibility there. I mean, the, speaking about speaking of field goals, there were a ton of them missed this week, but we will get to that in a later topic. Um, we've got some really really exciting stuff to to go over, but before we jump in, Jen, how about you hit us with the bets from last week? How did we do? Um, we did we did okay. Uh, I think we came out three and one. Uh, there was a lot of close games, um, but then again, you know. Um, clutch win with the Arizona Cardinals covering their five and a half. Um, obviously we had the Cowboys at seven. Um, you know we didn't we we expect it to be you know sort of a blowout, but you know that uh, that interception for a touchdown at the end of the game just kind of threw some icing on the cakes. Um, and yeah, we had you had Tampa Bay as well. Um, you know they covered theirs. They essentially stomped on the uh, the Dolphins, um, which looks like it's a dumpster fire, just like uh. Just like the, the Carson Wentz and the Colts. Ooh, this guy is coming with spice for for Carson Wentz, and we're not even at the Colts topic yet. Um, yeah, as usual, to to get our premium bets, just check us out at Underrated FTFW. That again is Underrated FTFW on Twitter. Oh, sorry, on Instagram, and um, yeah, you can get our our premium bets there. Um, so on to onto the topics that we have. One of the biggest news in, in, in football this week was John Gruden has resigned from the Raiders head coaching job. Um, Gruden resigned this week after video uh, images resurfaced of him using racist slash homophobic and misogynistic language in emails sent uh, a couple years ago. This was while he was working as, a, as an analyst on ESPN. Um, so this leaves the, the three and two Raiders without a head coach. So I will go to you, Brandon. What do you make of this whole situation um first things first 
I will acknowledge that I may be the one eating Popeye's biscuits. No team with no team that's lost their head coach typically stands a really good chance midseason. Uh, fingers crossed that the interim head coach can step up, but I'm not feeling too confident about that. Um, I'm not defending John Gruden in any way, shape, or form, but how is he the only one that got exposed? There was 650,000 emails in the course of an investigation that's, that was unrelated, realistically, to John Gruden, because I'm pretty sure he was working at ESPN at the time. Um, but he's the only one that got singled out. So somehow, some way, in this investigation, which was the Washington, football's invest- Washington football team's investigation of workplace misconduct, he's the only one that gets in trouble. Um, I'm not shocked he was forced to resign. Um, I think the NFL is trying to make a statement about the way that they treat incidents like racism, misogynistic behavior, um, homophobic behavior, especially with an openly gay player on his roster. That's a hard one to come back from. My only problem is the entire investigation stemmed from the Washington football team organization and their their sexual misconduct as an organization, which is any of the senior leaders on that squad, including Dan Snyder. And for some reason, none of that information has ever come to light. There's been, you know, multiple women that have complained about it, which caused the investigation in the first place. And somehow John Gruden is a scapegoat and sort of a decoy. It's like, here, ignore the fact that we only got a slap on the wrist, $10 million fine. This guy made a gay slur in an email which on severity is obviously not right, but I think I would take the hundred accusations of sexual misconduct more seriously instead of just throwing one head coach under the bus. Again, I'm not defending him. I don't think he should have a job after this, but I feel like there's a lot that's being missed and I feel like there's a lot of covering up going on that everybody just seems to be overlooking. Jen, what's your, what's your take on this, Matt, on this issue? I think I think you know obviously it's it's a bad situation and you know he deserved to get fired, um, but I think the bigger part is that you know the NFL is actually you know in a way trying to help the Raiders because um, obviously as everybody know that you know the reason why they the reason why he took the job is because he signed a ten year hundred million dollar contract. Um, with an option to purchase a minority stake in the Raiders. Um, obviously, you know, we'll kind of have to dig a little bit deeper into that, but, you know, his resignation slash being fired, um, you know, gets uh, gets the Raiders off the hook for about $60 million, um, and they'll have to pay up, you know, minority stake um, and take him, and him being an actual owner of a team. Um, so I think that's why he's, you know, the number one, but... You know, just going back to Brandon, what Brandon said, 650,000 emails. Um, there's going to be a lot of people out there that's going to be either fired or resigned. Um, that's going to be, you know, they're never going to see a light of day on, on a field or um, or uh, or any sorts uh, that's going to happen soon. Okay. And I guess bringing this back to football, Jen, um, where do the, the, what move do you see the Raiders making from, um, you know, for the rest of the season? seeing as they started the season so hot and losing their head coach. Where do they go from here? 
So I think, you know, they're going to, they might win a couple games, but they're, they're essentially out of the playoff contentions. Um, you know, they had a pretty okay run. Um, what's most likely going to happen is that, you know, just from the perspective, you know, if I was the GM, uh, which, you know, um, I'm not, but theoretically, if I am, um, you know, I give an extension to David Carr, you know, not, you know, a $40 million a year extension, but, you know, extend him for another year or two, um, just to see how he's doing. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, like there's not going to be a lot of, a lot of teams out there that's going to be, you know, cutting their, cutting their starting quarterbacks unless, you know, Carolina decides to unload Sam Darnold, which I don't think that would be a good fit either. Um, you know, or, you know, Big Ben, but Big Ben, Big Ben looks like he spends more time on Brazzers than anything else now. Um, so at the end of the day, you know, I think they're going to extend them. They're going to try to keep the core of the, of the team and, uh, and they're going to come out as a success story, you know, two, three years down the road. But uh, this year, they're, they're done. And Brandon, I hope you enjoy those, enjoy those Popeye biscuit, biscuits because they are going to be dry as hell. They just got to win enough games to make a playoff spot. I didn't bet them to win the division, which already essentially would have lost, but they just have to get a playoff spot. Fingers crossed that the interim head coach can get some buy-in, win some games, and uh, and I won't have to do that. All right, win some games, Raiders, to, to avoid Brandon eating some biscuits. Or, I mean, lose them if you want to see him, you know, eat those Popeye's biscuits. I, I kind of want to see it. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess moving on to, to some of the games this week, we had an action-packed week with, uh, filled with some great football. Um but one of the more interesting games of this week, at least one of the games that I found most interesting this week, was the Colts versus Ravens games. Um, this was on Monday night, and Lamar Jackson looked amazing in this one. Um, the game started off pretty rough for the Ravens. Um, they fell down 22-3 to to start. Um, but then from that point on, it pretty much became the Lamar Jackson show. Um, over the past couple of years, Lamar has received criticisms about you know his ability to throw the ball, ability to pass the ball, and the Colts dared him to throw the ball this game, especially when you know once they went up big, and he responded in a big, big way. Um, he ended up the game. He ended the game throwing for 442 yards, um, and four touchdowns, and completed over 86 percent of his passes. So, Brandon, uh, my question to you here is what letter grade would you give Lamar Jackson for this performance? I don't even think that's a question. Is is A++ an option? He balled out. There's been a lot of criticism about defenses figuring Lamar out, um, and he keeps getting asked if defenses have figured him out because a lot of people for the first few years of his career thought he was just a one-trick pony like a one look and run guy. Um, But he proved a lot of people wrong. And I was a little bit more emotional into this game because I had a parlay on it, which included the Ravens winning by five and a half. Uh, So when we were getting into the fourth quarter and they were down by 16 points, I was pretty stressed out about that bet hitting. Um, But he balled out in the second half of the game. Obviously they had a rough start. um, But like I said, Everyone said he was just a one-trick pony, one-look-and-run guy. They dared him to throw throw the ball, and he rose up to the challenge. He 
He threw for, like you said, over 440 yards with a completion rate that's astronomical. 86% completion that is, is rare to see on a low yardage game. It was insane. And he didn't rush a lot. To me, it looks like he's evolving. Because what I saw the last game and the last couple of games is he had opportunities to run and he chose to throw. Like you would have seen Lamar in his first two years run those specific plays, but instead he chose to take the extra look, find the open guy and and get the throw down the field. So it looks to me like he's evolving into more of an all around QB. He can run, obviously we know that. And now we know he can throw. The biggest problem I've had with Lamar is his consistency over the course of an entire season but I'm hoping this is a trajectory because then he's going to be easily one of the top quarterbacks. Um, so, Jin, I, I assume you agree with Brandon on that, uh, you know, on the letter grade there for, for that game. Is this something that we can expect to see more from Lamar? Do you think he'll, he's going to regress back to the mean in terms of his, uh, his passing ability? No, I think I think this is going to be like that one highlight of the season where he's going to be good at throwing. You know, it 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 just seems like it seems like empty calories. I know that you know it's you know the fourth quarter. It's kind of like you know they had to do whatever it had to do. But at the end of the day, like his receivers were wide open. You know, you could have get somebody on the street and throw you know completions like that. I think it was just a complete meltdown uh, of the secondary uh, of the Colts. You know, Carson Wentz kind of looked good out there, you know, you know, kind of, you know, back to sort of like a 2017, you know, maybe like early 2017-ish. You know, he looked good. Um, I think it was just a total meltdown. Um, and uh, and expect the, the Colts to get some uh, get some help with, uh, with their secondary because it just seems like, you know, if you – if you give Lamar more time to throw, he's obviously going to make those uh, catches, those uh, passes. How is it empty calories? They won. They came back and won. It was a comeback. It would have been empty calories if they lost, but they if didn't. You, if, if you look at the game, it just seems like everybody was wide open. It was almost like they were just letting Lamar throw like it was a preseason game. Um, obviously, they needed help there, and that Lamar identified you know one of their weaknesses, and he happened to have a good game. But don't expect them to throw for another four hundred yards this season. That's what great players do. They find the weakness and they completely take advantage of it. He saw that. Obviously, the Colts' front defensive line is elite. He wasn't going to get too far rushing. He did have a few attempts, but he wasn't anywhere near a normal Lamar rushing game. He saw the weakness was in the cornerbacks, and obviously they've got an injured cornerback that's in worse shape than Tampa Bay's, but he took advantage of it. Yeah, he could play a harder defense and see less yards. I'm not expecting him to throw for 500 yards with an 85% completion every week, but I think people were daring him to throw the ball. He showed that he could. Actually, if you just pull up the charts that uh, that the NFL have uh, of their advanced stats to see, you know, where Lamar is actually throwing the balls, they're all less than 10 yards. And it's all, you know, like pretty wide open. You know, he hit he, he did hit on that, you know, 40-yard, uh, more than 40-yard uh, touchdown pass. But 
you know, it seems like, you know, if he gets some pressure in, he's going to do a lot more checkdowns than anybody else. Check down or no check down, man. 10 yards at a time. That's all you got to do. It's 10 yards. It's not like you have to go the whole 100 yards and four downs. All you got to do is get 10 yards and four downs. That's it. Exactly. And, um, you know, the, the next team that we're going to, or one of the next teams that we're going to talk about, um, routinely goes for, for that highlight play. Um, instead of moving the, moving the chains 10 yards at a time, as, as Brandon alluded to. Um, and the team that I'm talking about is the Chiefs. Um, so the Chiefs, the Chiefs and Bills game, if you listen to the last week's episode, you know that was one of the games that we had highlighted for the week. Um, and um, it, it was a good game. It was pretty, pretty high scoring, so it didn't disappoint in that, uh, in that regard. Um, but this game didn't have the, the back and forth, the drama, um, the tough finish that I was, you know, I was hoping to, to kind of see out of it. Um, the game was over pretty early as Casey got blown out 38 to two, sorry, 38 to 20. Um, this leaving the Chiefs falling to two and three on the season and the Bills are rising to four and one on the season being led by their uh, rookie quarterback. So Brandon, I want to hear from you. What uh, did you see anything from, from the Bills and Josh Allen this weekend? Um, exactly what I predicted. First off, uh, last week I had the Bills winning in that game. Um, I didn't have a decided margin like that, but I did have them winning the game. I think they're the better all-around team. I don't think they're a better offense, obviously, than the Chiefs. I don't think that they're the best offense in the league. I don't think they're the best defense in the league either, but I think they have a strong balance. They're both elite on either side. Um, and it's exactly the situation that I highlighted a couple weeks ago. Mahomes can't dig them out of every single hole every week. But this is the first time that I've watched a Chiefs game and not felt like they were in it. I feel like even when they're down by 10, 20 points, you always feel like they're going to come back. And that might stem from the Houston game where it all started. But uh, I don't know. Maybe you guys feel differently. There's usually a feeling that the Chiefs will figure it out in the game. If they're down by 10, whatever, they'll come back. Down by 20, eh, they still stand a pretty good chance of coming back. This game didn't feel like that at all. This game felt like the Bills were having their way with the Chiefs' offense and defense. Tyreek didn't go off. Kelsey didn't have too much excitement. It it seemed like they figured them out. And I'm hoping it's a trend that continues. Um, but I know we touted this as the AFC Championship game. I don't think it's going to be the case. I think there's a more exciting game we should look forward to that we're not going to get this season, which is the Chargers and the Bills. Hmm. Chargers and Bills. That's, that's an interesting lineup. I'd love to see that game. But kind of uh, staying with this one, Jen, you were one of the first people to, to call the Chiefs fall off. Um, I was skeptical when you, when you first brought it up, but have you, have you seen anything from the Chiefs that changes your mind? Or you know, do you think that this is pretty much just continue to go downhill for, for the Chiefs? It, it's going to be all downhill from now. They're, they're like the 2020 Cowboys, you know, it's, you know, de defense, absolutely the worst. I mean, they are the absolute worst defense uh, that's out there this season. And, you know, you can't put everything on the offense's shoulders because they're going to have off days like what they had last Sunday. Um, you know, I, I, you know, again, this, this just makes me think that, you know, with all the other teams around, the Chiefs is not going to make the playoffs this season. 
and then uh, they're going to have to decide on what they're going to do with Andy Reid because, you know, he's um, he's like a Mike McCarthy, you know, like he's going to put in his work for a set amount of time, just like what he did in, with Philly. And, you know, after that, it's going to be all downhill from there. If they short up the defense, they'd be fine. Like if they had an average defense, they'd be in good shape. The problem is they have a terrible defense that's historically bad, worse so than last year's Cowboys, which were also historically bad. (laughs) Oh, man, whatever they do with that top five pick or top ten pick, whatever their first round pick is, pretty much whatever their picks are for this year, just spend them all on defense. Just everything defense, because that defense absolutely sucks. Um, but over to another game that didn't have much defense, the Chargers versus the Browns. If you were looking for a high-scoring game, you need to look. You need you didn't need to look any further than the Chargers and Browns game. Um, the game finished with a score of forty-seven to forty-two um, in the Chargers' favor, and it seemed like both defensive defenses took the day off. Um, you can imagine with a with, with a score like that, Justin Herbert had himself one of his best games as a pro. Um, finishing with over 400 yards and five total touchdowns. This game was fantastic to watch. Uh, the NFL casuals that hated on the Patriots game would actually have preferred to watch this game. They should just watch this one instead because it played like a Madden game. Uh, defense was nowhere to be found. There was no shred of anybody trying to defend, which is weird because the Browns have a pretty good defense. It's rated, you know, top 10 in the NFL. It didn't seem to show up against Herbert. Um, I thought this is fantastic. I, I do love Justin Herbert. Obviously, Jin loves Justin Herbert. He was thinking about buying a Justin Herbert jersey. Um, but what I love about it is these QBs that have been in the league for four, five, six years, they just keep writing him off. And he just keeps showing up and winning. And it seems like the only thing missing from the Chargers last year was a head coach who knew how to be a head coach. And they seem to have found it. So I loved it, and I loved that the Chargers won. And I loved even more that the Browns lost, because I don't really like Baker Mayfield at all. Um, And like I said earlier, I'm excited if we can get a Bills and Chargers matchup. We don't get one this season. Maybe we'll be lucky enough to go in the playoffs, because I think that's the two teams that that need to be watched this year. Jen, do you think this Chargers team is is good enough to make a deep run into the playoffs? And how far do you think they can make it if they do? I think, uh, you know, this Chargers might make it to the AFC Championship game. I mean, you know, like, um, you know, I hate to be Miami now because, you know, you, you had the pick right above Justin Herbert uh, in the draft, and you decided to draft Tua, um, who's not even on the field with you right now. And Justin Herbert is looking like the next uh, Philip Rivers, except he's not going to have 40 kids. Um, so, you know, they, they definitely know how to uh, draft. And, uh, you know, with the team and uh, down in L.A., you know, they're, they're definitely – they got that chip on their shoulders because, you know, everybody's talking about how they have no fans. Uh, well, one way to get fans is, you know, to get to the AFC Championship game. Although, you know, I, I do think that, you know, it'd be nice to see the Bills versus the Cowboys so we can see Trayvon Diggs against Stephon Diggs. Uh, I think that will be a, a bigger matchup uh, or more 
more fantastic matchup to watch, but Justin Herbert can uh, can get it done. I think uh, you know all the way until the championship, the NFL, the uh, AFC Championship game, uh, where you know I think the Bills, uh, help, uh, it's gonna the Bills is gonna beat them um, to the Super Bowl. Brandon, how how far do you do you see this Chargers team going? I know you you really like them right now. I could agree with you. I see. I, I can see an AFC championship. Obviously, it's not an easy road to get there, um, but I, I could see it happening. I think I would have to agree with Jim that if it did come to an AFC championship situation with the Chargers and the Bills, it would be a fantastic game. But I think the Bills would come out on top. They are a more well-rounded team. Um, but I, I do think they're poised for a deep playoff run, and I'd really like to see one. Nice. Um, I guess moving on to the to the last game that we we're going to be breaking down this week, the Bengals versus the Packers. Um, this was I want to say a sad game to watch. Um, the, the both teams combined to miss about five straight field goals. Um, it was probably one of the worst kicking exhibitions I've ever seen in my life. Um, it was one of the lowest scoring games, but Aaron Rodgers was able. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers were able to uh, to squeeze out a victory. Um, Brandon, I know you had some some money on this game. How nerve wracking was was all this was this experience for you? Uh, my blood was boiling. The worst part was I had it at a, I had the Packers at minus three, which means I didn't even win in the end. I just I just pushed it. I just drew, um, and it was not exciting watching a team drive down to the 30-yard line and then miss a field goal five times in a row. It was just, it was one of the weirder games I've seen. Across the league, there was a ton of missed kicks. There was 12 missed PATs going um, going into Monday, and then obviously there were a couple in the Monday night game. It seemed like everybody's kickers were missing. It didn't, it didn't seem to matter. Like uh, I would chalk the Bengals-Packers one up to the wind. It was, or it looked pretty windy. Uh, but the flags were waving, so I could assume it was super windy. And it seemed to affect the game. Uh, but it was very stressful to have a minus three spread and watch kicker after kicker just miss field goals. Um, even when you know Evan McPherson kicked that one, he thought he made it, and it just went wide. Overall, it was just a brutal game to watch. It should have been a little bit more exciting. Um, but there's a lot of kickers that did a lot of shitty things this weekend. Yeah, you can say that again. Um, Jin, how, how did you find this game? What were, you, what were your key takeaways from this game? Um, Joe Burrows is trying to kill himself out there. Um, <clears throat> obviously, you know, with everything that's going on with the Bengals, um, and um, and I think uh, the Bengals also showed a way to, you know, to stop the the Packers, um, as well as uh, you know, figure out um, different ways to beat them. I know that they didn't beat them, but you know, Aaron McPherson, he is a rookie kicker. You know, he he had his shots. It was just an odd game, um, but you know, it just seems like uh, the Cincinnati Bengals are they're pretty legit this year with Joe Burrow. And, um, you know, they might have a shot at making the playoffs, but, you know, they, they need to build Joe Burrow, uh, Joe Burrow uh, an indoor facility, um, as well as uh, upping their equipment um, because he is getting killed out there. He's going to take a hit like Daniel Jones did and 
be concussed for the next four weeks. Did you guys see the interview on Pat McAfee show for Aaron Rodgers Tuesday? Um, Aaron Rodgers talked about the handshake after the game with Joe Burrow. And the one thing he said was he, he's like, I told him he has to slide if he wants to survive. Uh, and he's just pushing way too much into the play. Um, and he just needs to slide more so he doesn't get injured when he's trying to rush. Yeah, that's, that's definitely sound advice. You don't want to have your quarterback there, you know, playing running back and trying to slam himself into guys. That's, that's not a recipe for success. We've seen that with Cam. We've seen that with quite a few quarterbacks. It, it, you want to take the Tom Brady approach. Maybe maybe not to, to the extremes that he goes to playing at 44, but, you know, don't take as many hits and you'll be able to, to stretch your career a lot longer than if you were, you know, trying to, to run into every every offensive lineman, run to everyone and, and chop people over. That's, that's, that's not the way forward, guys. I mean, he also had a season-ending injury last year. So I, I'd like to think he'd be more cautious going into this year, maybe taking a little more sliding approach. Um, hopefully he takes the advice that he was given this weekend. Uh, but pliability, man, it doesn't yeah. lie. True, true, very, very, very true. I mean... It's work for Tom Brady. It, 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 it can work for anyone else. The guy's not athletic at all. Look at look at him. Um, this we're about to get into you know one of my favorite parts of, of today's show because I feel like I have a strong feeling that Jen will fire someone or will at least attempt to fire someone here. Um, the Steelers are two and three, and uh, you know. Big Ben has, may have bought himself some time after winning this this um, last Sunday against the Broncos, um, but the 39-year-old isn't you know what he once was, um, and with the slow start to the season and uh, you know the, the a tough schedule ahead, they're going to be playing the the Ravens twice, the Browns twice, um, so it's, it's a you know a bit of a tough schedule ahead. Um, is it time for the? Is it time for? Pittsburgh to move away from Big Ben. I'll come to you, Jen. Will you find someone? Um, <clears throat> they should have done that a long time ago. But but then again, you know, I, I think he, he, they need to box himself into a bathroom with his Brazzers account, uh, you know, do his thing for the next six hours, come out, and, uh, and you know, maybe you never know. That's uh, Maybe he'll get back in shape like that. He just needs to retire. That's it. None of that. He just needs to retire. Everybody's been too busy calling Tom Brady an old-ass man, but he doesn't look like one. Big Ben is an old-ass man and plays like one. He can't throw the ball down the field consistently. His entire offense is based around passes that either are behind the line of scrimmage or two or three yards ahead of the line of scrimmage. And that's exactly what we started to see in late Drew Brees. And Drew Brees retired. So I think he needs to just follow in the footsteps. The problem is all of these quarterbacks of the last 20 years are all living under one man's shadow who doesn't seem to age. Uh, So maybe they feel like it's the exact same. Maybe they feel like they can also last until 44. Um, But Big Ben's diet of uh, yoga once a week and a beer a day isn't exactly the same as Tom Brady's diet. And so he's just not going to last as long. He's been hit more aggressively. Um, 
and obviously he's had a few more intense injuries. He just needs to call it a career. He's had a great career. The problem is if he keeps playing, it's going to be shadowed by him sucking over the next couple. Mm. You mean to tell me you look at Big Ben and you don't see a pliable guy? No? Like <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> I, I see the peak male physique. Just, I mean, flexibility is just oozing out of the guy. I mean, if you base it off of this weekend's boxing match, the peak male physique is Tyson Fury, <laughs> and Big Ben has a roughly the same body shape. Um, so, yeah, if you want to base it on that. Um, but he's not playing like it. He's just, I, like I said, I'm not doubting that he had a great career. He had a fantastic career. It's just over. Mm. Uh, I think the bigger topic is that Mike Tomlin is facing his first season in which he didn't have a winning record, which may cause him to move on from Big Ben faster because Mike Tomlin's legacy so far has been he's never had a losing season in Pittsburgh, and he's always managed to end up in the plus column. doesn't look like that's going to happen this year. Maybe that'll change his mind about his quarterback in the future. I know he mentioned he wanted someone experienced. I just don't think Big Ben is that guy. Big Ben, just you know what? It, it's always nice to see to see great players hang it up when they have just a tiny bit left in the tank, as opposed to when when they kind of forced to retire, and, and you know the the game just completely moves away from you, and you're kind of just left in the back burner, maybe on the bench, and everyone just knows knows it's time. It's, it's better to just leave leave while you're you're still kind of warm, not, maybe not completely hot, but just kind of warm. You want to leave in a situation where the last thing people remember about you is not you sucked or you were sitting on the bench. They want to remember oh, remember a great career. All of these quarterbacks have had fantastic careers. I, they're just all overshadowed by Tom Brady. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we have just a little bit of time left, and we are a quarter way through the season, so I really want to, to squeeze this in. I want to get you guys as um, early front runners for, for a few awards. Um, so we're just going to do the Defensive Player of the Year and the MVP. Um, so I'll start with you, Jen, this time. I want to hear who your pick for Defensive Player of the Year is right now. I got to say, it's Trevon Diggs. You know, he's uh, he's playing great. You know, I think from the pace he's doing, he's going to break all sorts of records. Um, and I think he's definitely the, the front runner now. Brandon, do you agree with, uh, with Trayvon Diggs as the defensive player of the year? I do. Right now, to me, it's Trayvon Diggs, no questions asked. The only person that could make a catch-up is Micah Hyde to me. Other than that, I don't really think anybody else is in the mix. I mean, I guess throw Aaron Donald in there because he's always somehow in there. Um, sure he'll figure out a way to have an elite year uh but right now Diggs is playing out of his mind if he continues on this trajectory he'll break a record even if he slows down he's still gonna have an amazing year and um i guess for for the mvp brandon who who do you have as the the front runner for mvp a quarter way through the season right now my guy my Jones. i got my guy tv12 playing at an elite level 
He's at least a decade older than everybody else on the field. And he's showing the young pups how it is. Um, he is balling out. He's averaging three touchdowns a game. Um, he's got the lowest interceptions. And he's not just dinking and dunking like he made a career off of in New England. He's chucking the ball down the field and making it work. Um, so I've got TB12. I think he's playing the absolute best of any player. Um, and I think the thing that gets overlooked in the MVP race very often is the intangible part of being a leader in the locker room. One of the things that Tom Brady has that nobody else has is the Tom Brady effect. Wherever he goes, people want to play with him. So they will do things like take less money to make sure that there is a full elite roster. And they will do things like work harder at practice. Nobody wants to be the guy that loses the game for Tom Brady at this point in his career. So I think he carries a lot of intangibles that makes everyone around him play better. Um, I don't think that gets looked into in the MVP because it's hard to measure. Obviously, it's an intangible. But both from a stats perspective and the fact that he can literally get anybody to buy into his system, um, he's without a doubt the MVP so far. Jin, do you agree? Do you do you think Tom Brady is is the clear cut favorite for MVP, or do you see someone else in the race? You know, I, I can see Dak being the MVP, um, just like you know Brandon talked about leadership and everything like that. Because at the end of the day, you know the MVP is not just about stats. I know that Dak is not going to throw up, you know, all the best stats in the world, but he is coming back from an injury, and he is balling out. And Tom Brady is, you know, sitting in the pocket, throwing to all his receivers, uh, you know, not doing anything, uh, you know, outside the pocket, you know, not trying to, you know, do anything super exciting. You know, it's all about just throwing, 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 you know, you know, this week he has a the prop bet on Tom Brady to rush is one and a half yards, one and a half yards. You could literally walk that in a game for Tom Brady. But I don't think he's gonna hit it. So you know, it's you know, if we're talking about everything amalgamated together, uh, I got Dak for sure. You could probably walk it faster too. Um, he's always been slow, and in his old age, he's not getting any faster. I, I like Dak's leadership. I think he's has he already won Comeback Player of the Year? Should we just give that award to him now? Like, there's nobody else that stands a chance to win that. Oh, he definitely is going to get it. But I don't think he'll clean two awards, so I think you got to give the edge to the old man. Yeah. No, this might be um, this might be the year where you can win two at the same time. That being said, Roger Goodell does hate Tom Brady, so that could factor in as well. Yeah. Hey, let's just hope Tom Brady didn't send any weird or harassing emails about Roger Goodell during his times. Now, Tom's smart enough to do it on his personal phone. We all remember back to Deflategate when Tom Brady was a scapegoat of that whole scenario. Um, he refused to turn over his personal device in an investigation, so he's smart enough to keep it all on his personal phone and to not give his personal phone to the NFL. Mm. Um, so I think we should be covered there. I do think that uh, Tom Brady and Roger Goodell potentially aid each other uh, and so that could bar some issues um, but I think I think he stands a good chance to win MVP if he plays the same way he has been 
Mm. 44, an MVP. God damn. Who, 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 10 years ago, five years ago, would you have thought a 44-year-old would win, has a chance at least to win the MVP in the NFL? I, I certainly wouldn't have thought so. People have been calling for him to fall off a cliff since 2016. Yeah, um, Max Kellerman is still waiting on, on the top of that hill. Um, swearing that it's a slow decline or it's going to be a quick, hard drop. Um, Max Kellerman, hope, hope he brought a blanket, man, because it's, it's getting cold at the top of that hill. Um, this brings us to the end of our show. Hope you guys had an amazing time listening to it. Um, for our premium bets this week, check us out on IG at UnderratedFTFW. Once again, that is UnderratedFTFW. And subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts as well. It's been a great time. And until next week, enjoy the rest of the week, guys.